Sam, you were asking about, like, spoiler warning for, like, a board game, and I pointed out that spoiler windows are entirely contextual. I get where you're going, but I kind of disagree. I do think that there are some general rules and protocols to follow around spoiler windows. Like, you know, for for a TV episode, I feel that a week window is right. For a movie, I feel that a month. And for a book, I feel a year. And this is like, what I mean by spoiler window is like, you know, unfiltered spoilers. Like, you know, if if it's a week and a half after a TV episode, I think you don't have to check for spoilers. I don't think you have to label spoilers. I think that, you know, that window has passed. All right, well, you're wrong. And, uh... Yeah. So, it, it's entirely contextual because, I mean, it depends on the group you're talking to. Because, okay, yeah, for different groups or something, you could have spoiler windows, but that also matters. Because, like, I'm in a Discord. I'm in, like, a Discord for a podcast, for example. And there's multiple threads. One of which is just, like, general podcast, and one is for the latest episode. But, like, keep the spoilers there for people who have listened to it right away. And even more generally, when you're talking in a, mo- in a group of friends, some groups of friends don't give a shit, other groups do. And even for shows that are, like, decades old, like, Sam, do you remember earlier this year when our family, you know, was watching stuff together and we decided to try, uh, we were talking about the stuff to do and Twin Peaks came up a topic of discussion. And Elle just said, oh yeah, isn't that the show where, uh, you know, Beep did it? And I just screamed at her over the call, like, Ellen! Okay, I I get that, and I'll let me kn- let me tell you why Ellen was wrong in that situation uh whereas i am right in this situation no you're, you're so wrong. the only absolute of this situation is that you're wrong i think the the general spoiler window you know week month year roughly and you know those are negotiable but too. it'll different um, but it'll differ in every setting you're talking about like if you're talking in a just like if you're talking about a movie if you're talking about it but that, that, that's the general rule that's the general rule but specific trumps general and in a specific but there's context, so many different specific contexts the general rule like it's different in every context disagree 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 like the the point is during that wrong, conversation Mary, let me finish my thought let me finish you're just repeating the same thought but whatever no in that specific context we were talking about the show in the context that people on the call had not watched it now it's like in that specific context that specific trumps the general rule of week month year because when you're talking specifically about something that you have not watched then it is a dick move to drop a spoiler in the middle of that conversation without checking with people about their sensitivity to spoilers so you're saying is that there's a general rule but it can change given the context you're talking about it Sam, you're agreeing with me motherfucker <laughs> Sam, not okay? you could just admit Mary, you're wrong. It... Admit you're wrong sometimes in conversations. We could have been done with this banter. No, 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 no. I... Harry, I, I'm right in this one. I'm right in this All right, one. I've already started the like... music. I've already started the music. We can continue arguing, but the music will continue. <laughs> when is it okay to post spoilers, Harry? It depends on the fucking context. Well, give me a context and then give me, like, then give me a timeline. I don't feel like this conversation is, like, I... Like, I'm having to give a context to talk about the rules, which means I'm already right. No, you're fighting against it, you're struggling against it, because you're starting to realize that there are generalities. No, I'm not! I don't think there are. Okay, I'm going to look up the word generalities, just to make sure I'm using I-T-I-E. Welcome to Brokusatsu, Two Brothers Exploration of Tokusatsu Shows and Related Media. My name's Harry. And I'm Sam. And I'm Googling what the hell generalities means. So, 
one thing I have to apologize for is this is another episode of Doom Patrol that will require a uh, like content warning. Uh, that's that's all of them. I'm starting to feel like. Yeah, probably, probably. I mean, only one of the three episodes this week really required a hard, uh, a hard content warning. I think. I mean, but oh, so, all right. Each of them has their own type of content warning. So, uh, episode nine, I'll just get it out of the way. We are basically going to have to discuss, not explicitly, but like as as it's, but definitely. I mean, they're not beating around the bush. There is uh, some discussion of uh, sexual abuse of a minor. So we're going to have to go into that briefly. I mean, we're not experts, so we're not going to like delve deeply, but there's that. Episode 10, the content warning for that one could be like just some real grody shit you see on screen that you might want to be <laughs> careful for. In episode 11, yeah, I'll... Oh, in episode God. 11, the content warning is that me and Sam both cried like alone in our rooms when watching it because goddamn Doom Patrol, what are you doing to us? We had three really rough episodes this week and they were rough in their own unique ways <laughs> like, a, a million ways to be cruel is this show <laughs> oh god yeah so we gonna get into it yeah i mean sam i'm not kidding we've started the episode i fucking played the music over that great 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 uh that's fine that's fine you don't have to stick to format. We don't stick to... We're not consistent here. But anyway, episode like, nine. Seth, th so, this is one of the episodes where we've already broken from format because the show is good enough that we're not going to break it scene by scene because you should really just watch it. It's a, it's widely... First of all, it's widely available in our languages, so it, I don't see the it's the point. And really, support it, please. I don't want them to stop making this. I mean... I'm going to have to buy a t-shirt or something. I would say that there's probably some groups of people that should not watch episode 9. Well, yeah, that's why the content warning. So, yeah, episode 9. As we left off in the previous episode, uh, Jane is... Uh, comatose is the wrong word. Uh, she's, like, she's blue-screened. Yeah, kind of, she's, like... She is extremely dissociating because she has dissociative identity disorder. But she's kind of just sitting there and not reacting to outside stimuli. Yes, we and we get we actually we go inside uh, the underground. We actually see some of her personalities like in their raw form, and it's wonderful and fascinating. Yep. We we um, see like a couple dozen personalities in this episode. Uh, some of them look like Jane, some of them don't, which they themselves say mm -hmm. there's not really logic to it. But the logic is which scenes could they shoot with the original actor? Because Karen is being dragged in, and she looks kind of like Jane, but Hammerhead is dragging her, and Hammerhead is a different actor. Yeah, 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 yeah. There really is no rhyme or reason uh, to speak of. Um, but yeah, we have multiple, multiple like new identities that show up. Uh, some of whom like explicitly say, "Oh yeah, I never go to the surface." So we're only going to see them in this context. Yeah, I mean, maybe in some different context they might show up later. But yeah, like uh, immediately after dragging her into uh, the middle of a just big empty area like so the underground it, it's it's sad that this is her like subconscious area because it's a subway system that's just broken down and not maintained and the walls are eroding it that's obviously symbolism like mm -hmm. I, don't, I feel like my my i would like my subconscious to be like a video game arcade or something something fun <laughs> but, but this is not this is not uh. fun this is 
This is unfun. And she's good. Yeah, this is a tortured psyche full of multiple personalities. Like, and they, they are clear, like, they all exist for a reason. Like, they are all different aspects of, like, OG Jane that was, like, shattered at some point, you know, when her powers were manifesting. Yeah. Or maybe even earlier. Yeah, like, uh, Polly is, she's this lady dressed in some kind of, almost like a goth Lolita outfit, I'd say. And she has, like, black X makeup around her eyes, and she really gets into it with Karen. Uh, and, like, we see off to the side, Silvertongue is there, and so is the... I forget her name, but the lady with the big electric powers. But there's also, like, just a nun with a chainsaw and just <laughs> dudes with, like, welder's masks. And Yeah, we have, like, Driller Joe and Driver 8, like, who have never manifested on the surface, never, you know, taking control of uh, Jane's body. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, they, because they, they get into it with Kara and she gets dragged off to, basically, they have jail cells where people cool off uh, and they... <laughs> pull back in Jane and say, okay, so your job is to deal with the real world. And Jane is, she's getting worn down because she says, Hey, none of you have to deal with that stuff up there. And it's not easy. Like I, so I, I got a couple credits short of a psychology major in college. And this is, this is the thing I've seen in some situations with multiple personalities. Not like, no, no, I've seen, I've read about it and stuff like this is a super rare disease, <laughs> but like, People with multiple personalities, occasionally there is, like, the personality that is kind of like the everyday stuff that goes out and do things. And there was, like, a guy who complained because everybody else in his body was having fun. And he was like, I gotta go to work and pay the bills. And, like, this is not fair. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, and it isn't fair. It really genuinely isn't fair. Like, there's, you know, 63 other people and, you know... OG Jane, she has to go up, or rather, no, not OG Jane, as we find out. Like, Jane is not the original personality. She's also not even the original primary personality. The original primary personality is dead. Do, do you remember? Well, obviously, you don't. That's the question. But last episode, you did state your claim that Hammerhead was the original personality. You wanna, you wanna comment on that, mm -hmm. Sam? Uh, yeah, I got that one wrong. Got that one very wrong. See, you could have just... When you admit you get things wrong, Sam, we could just move on. Well, I admit that I'm wrong when I'm wrong. It doesn't happen very often, which is why I don't do it very often. <coughs> but yeah, Jane, she is... She's she's just getting worn down, and she gets into the train car, because like, even though it's mostly metaphorical, there's still kind of workings where she's got to travel up to the surface with mm -hmm. driver eight and yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love like, I love the imagery of that. You know, there is specifically a personality that ferries back and forth. The other personalities, they don't ever go up to the surface. They just, you know, have a quick chat and they check on the transfer system, you know, of the personality up to the surface. Yeah. I guess in the metaphor, she's like the one who's trying to keep an eye on whether or not people need to get swapped out. Yeah. I, I can mm -hmm. see that. Uh, yeah. And so Jane, you know, it's just looking around and says, Oh, emergency stop. Hey, have you ever pulled that? And driver eight says, No. And just like, What would happen if I pulled that? And driver eight says, Well, the system would get broken down for a while and I'd have to fix it. All right. How long do you need? <laughs> yeah. And so that's why Jane is blue screened because one of her personalities pulled the emergency stop on a mental subway. Yeah. 
Uh, just to give her, just to give her a break, just to give her a break. Yeah. Uh, back up to the surface, like you know, the rest of the team has Jane back at the base, and they have no idea what the hell to do. Like you know, she has massive brain activity, so they know she's like alive and not comatose. Uh, but she's not coming up to the surface because, you know, there's a fight going on in the underground. Yeah, and Cyborg makes a joke about just shrinking down Fantastic Voyage style and going inside, and. Larry is partway through saying, you know, I'm glad you've embraced the weirdness when the negative spirit pops out and like just touches Cliff's head and Jane's head and does a mental bridge. Yep. Good old negative man with random powers that we don't understand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and so, yeah. And now we get to the thrust of the episode. So. This episode is a Cliff Jane episode. Next episode is an, uh, a Rita and Cyborg episode. And uh, then the episode after that, well, also kind of a also kind of a wheelchair, a Niles uh, episode yeah, for next episode. It's a episode. lot of Niles next episode. Oh, yeah. And the episode after that is kind of a mishmash team, but also a very, uh, a very Larry-focused uh, episode, too. Yep. So, it's... We kind of accidentally did this, but we did break off this three episode arc like into a single chunk, and it that that's actually how we should have done it accidentally. Yay! Uh, so this we stumbled into competence, Harry. So this episode, I mean, it starts as Cliff, who initially looks like Brendan Fraser, Cliff, like he he is doing some real world acting, and he's wandering through the underground, meeting with various alters of Jane. Uh, some of whom are helpful, some of whom are very not. Yeah. Pe- Penny Farthing is really tall, which I guess I just didn't expect that. But yeah, she's just this, you know, British girl who hangs hangs out with Jane and says like, oh yeah, I, I mean, uh, I, I just uh, sometimes when I need to recharge, I go hang out by this nice memory of a lake. I don't know whose it is, but. Also, specifically, Penny Farthing is not stuttering uh, in the underground. Uh, Cliff comments on this, and she says that, you know, hey, it's not the real world. What does she have to be worried about? Yeah, like, she says, like, no, that only happens in the real world, along with the generalized anxiety. And hey, sister, you know, right there with you. <laughs> yep. Uh, apparently, uh, Penny Farthing, she says that she exists to run. Yeah. Like, that is that is a reason for being. Yeah, just, like, escape from dangerous situations. Do we know what her power is? No, I, I don't think we've seen it. Uh, I mean, I could Google it, but it might be a spoiler. It'd be interesting to know. It also might, you know, not have manifested yet. Like, I mean, there, there's only, like, 30 episodes. Like, I think we only have, like, 10 or so Jane powers. But, like... And we'll probably never get the full set. I mean, it's interesting because some of them have literally never been up there, so do they just not have their powers? Or, like, can they use them in the underground effectively? Like, how's that work? Like, we, we do see someone with lightning, you know? Someone lightnings in the underground. And I think uh, I think Karen was trying to mind control people in the underground, but, you know, they weren't giving into that shit. Yeah, it, it's hard to mind control yourself. Yeah, 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 yeah. They kind of know all her moves. If Jane could mind control herself, then she might have less problems. But that, that's, that's that she can't. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, it's Cliff going out and hanging with the altars, but also learning more about uh jane and as we're seeing also k because we get imagery of uh jane's dad and this is 
where we're going to briefly talk about. It's pretty... Um, yeah, it's pretty... Like, you don't see anything. You don't even say anything, but it's not hard to read between the awful, awful lines yeah. here of what's going I, on. I do think that, given the writers we're working with, it might have been pretty explicit in the comics, so maybe we're just getting the simpler version here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but... Yeah. Jane, like, the original Jane personality, which, you know, Cliff is in there searching for, uh, she does not want to go back up to the surface. So much, though, that she talks to, what is it, the sisters? Yeah. Uh, as a personality, which I'm not sure if this counts as one personality or three, because it's a three-headed old crone. I I suspect it's one, because they're kind of hmm. acting in concert. Uh, but it tells her to go to the well, which is, as it turns out, is just like the source of her trauma, which a previous primary personality had gone to, Miranda, and got obliterated as far as we can tell like either she's gone or she's just in a state where she will never come back from like we just see shards of her in a room that you know penny farthing has to lead cliff through yeah like it's i'm not entirely sure why these sisters like are directing jane towards the well like it it might be antagonistic like they might be trying to kill this personality and then dot 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 create a new one uh to take her place like it would is that how it works like would they create a new template to be on the surface i don't know i i think maybe in we could say maybe the sisters are trying to get someone to confront the the core of their trauma because we, we see through things basically the way the way did kind of in theory works because super rare disease there's something so terrible happens to you in your life that you kind of dissociate to the point with that you just imagine a different person do is involved in doing it so we, we basically get the metaphor of k in the just making a puzzle that is related to all the puzzle piece imagery we've seen and it's also of that uh that lake view you know just the nice memory she had that she was going to where she sent a different personality to be abused and so jane is kind of like at the well and Cliff has to go in and save her, but to do that, he has to... <laughs> so he encounters Black Addis, which is a very creepy-looking uh, lady with knife hands and just dark armor. <laughs> oh, Jane, you are very fucked yeah, up. Yeah, well, I mean, she specifically goes through a thing where she says, like, no men are allowed past here, and Cliff, you know, after getting some hits, has to kind of confronts to himself like no i'm not really a man anymore and this actually like in the first episode when jane showed up she you know attacked cliff by grabbing his junk and then throwing him across the room and this is almost like showing like specifically because her trauma is based on aggression from men one thing that she really needs in cliff is that he is someone who literally is incapable of threatening her in that way yeah and, like, Cliff has been, you know, confronting this about him this entire episode, too. Like, him and Penny Farthing have kind of been just, you know, going on walkabout and just talking about the nature of what he is. And he is slowly, like, you know, he's has been trying to cling to his past, to, you know, to him as Cliff, him as the race car driver. But this is, you know, the episode where he's like, no, no, I'm a robot and I'm I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to tear the skin off of my face and reveal the robot underneath yeah it's some 
powerful and creepy as fuck imagery. Yeah, yeah, this episode goes full creepy. Like it. Oh yeah. Like there, there's not jokes. It's just it doesn't uh, relieve the tension with humor. Uh, no, it's just it goes as intense as it needs to go, and in the end, Jane, because the the personality construct that is basically her father uh, at the well, she finally screams at him, says like, "No, you've ruined everything in my life. You're not going to ruin this," and kind of mm-hmm. banishes him at least temporarily. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. To save Cliff. So, yep, like the puzzle father had been, you know grabbing Cliff and was about to devour him and, you know, destroy him. But Jane saved him and they go together and both wake up. And Cliff, I feel like very rightly says to the group, you know, she's better, but the rest aren't, isn't, uh, it's not my story to tell. I I was inside her brain and she gets to keep her secrets. And Jane goes, lays down and she does still hear like the voice of her father, because that's the true thing where, even even major progress, I would say, in this episode of like working through your trauma, like it's not it's not instant, you know. Good old mental trauma, always lingering around, just waiting to rear its head back up when you're not looking out yeah, for it. Like when I got when I got real annoyed in that episode of Carmen Rider Double, when the character with a severe stutter kind of broke through it due to one moment. It's like no, it's still something he would he would have to deal with as I as I will. Uh, approach in my fan fiction if I ever finish it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Or it's like those random, just like, you know, occasional cancer imagery. They'll just kind of come out of left field to me and just be like, oh, God, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <sighs> so, I mean, that. Like, I'm better, but at the same time, you never get better. Yeah. Uh, on to episode 10. Hey. So, episode 10 is. It's dealing with. Here is the show is the master of mood whiplash because there's two storylines <laughs> that it pulls off amazingly. And like in any other show, I don't think it could because, first of all, one of them is about uh, there's just a guy sitting in his mother's basement. He's like, a, I feel sorry for this actor because he's the type of guy who gets these roles, right? He's not going to be the leading man in a drama. He's just kind of the, at best, the the goofy comedy dude. And this one... <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, they, but hey, he knocked this one out the park. Yeah, he's doing a great job. The beard hunter. Yeah, he's just this this guy, like, menacing people in grocery stores and bragging about the type of preparation H uses. Uh, but mm-hmm. but then the cashier. Like, they're they're trying to make him as gross as possible. I'm, I'm sure, th- and he does it really well. I'm sure this actor, like, if we hang out, if we hug out with him, he would just be the most charming guy. Yeah. But man, does he just lead into playing the creep this episode. Because he gets activated by the Bureau of Normalcy to hunt down Niles Calder. And he gets in his Beard Hunter outfit. Uh, Which includes, like, you know, paired katanas and grenades and size and throwing stars. Um, Also worth noting, like, you know, the Bureau of Normalcy is activating this guy. And this guy is a freak so you know the bureau is definitely violating their stated mission you know they're they're not just evil they're they're also hypocrites yeah, i mean at least he's he's visually normal and he's probably keeping out of visibility so that's probably how they could justify it to themselves 
not just you know the standard ends justify means and all that <sighs> but yeah it, it turns out that this guy is called the beard hunter uh because if he consumes body hair <laughs> he is able to form a mental link with a person and this guy sneaks into the Doom Patrol mansion, which has just a, just has to be the easiest building to sneak into. Like, has has anyone ever had a problem sneaking into the Doom Patrol mansion? I mean, it's a giant mansion, and I'm not sure if they really have, like, security systems. There, there was that one time when they locked down parts of it to stop that cult getting in, but other than that, I mean, it's, it's giant. You can just pick a window and go in. Like, I, I don't think it's particularly secure, even in fiction. Yeah, even like even the cult, it's not they weren't fighting them outside the mansion to keep them out. Like they were fighting them inside the mansion because, you know, because they were in. They picked like three rooms that they could board up the doors for. And they're like, okay, here is where we'll draw the line. You have the other 80% of this house. This 20%. This is where we make our stand. There's a lot of bedrooms. You can have some of them. Yep. Probably haven't opened up some of them. There's probably other characters Actually, who are still in like Decades-long dissociative <laughs> yeah. fugues. Oh, the, yeah, the characters really need to go and check the rest of the rooms. There might be additional team members. <laughs> yeah, did you have problems that have been, like, festering for way too long? Huh. <laughs> but yeah, so he sneaks into the mansion, goes into the main bathroom, and pulls a big old glob of hair out of sink and swallows it. <laughs> like, right on screen. Ugh. I wonder what the prop was made of. Oh, God. Like, I hope it was CGI. Because it, it looked real. I mean, the, the prop people are good, so they probably would have made it out of some, like, candied stuff. Like, maybe just, like, some licorice or something. I I suspect... I, I, I don't want to think about it. I don't want to Google it. Look, Sam, any it, movement away from what it appears to be is positive. Like, it can't get worse. So, anything is better. But... But any discussion of it just brings, you know, the mental image back, Harry. It, it's don't think of an elephant. Like, if you want to move on, stop talking about it. Uh, I think, you know, for a long time, the background image has been that man screaming at a puppet. But maybe, maybe I found a new one to, to mess with you. No. No. So that that's one storyline. It was like him doing that. But that's the other one is going on. And I cannot, I cannot emphasize it enough. The other is a very touching and thoughtful story of Niles Calder's background, his, like, kind of origin, his development into the type of person he is, and a loving romance with a very Harry Cave woman. And, like, it pulls it off. Like, I'm not sure, was she, like, was she, like, a Neanderthal? Was she supposed to be a Neanderthal? I don't know. I, maybe. She, she is immortal, so, like, they, they go over it. Like, she, she is basically... She lived with the same tribe for generations and generations, just outlasting it. So maybe that is her deal. Or maybe she's some other inhuman thing. But she appears to have the same immortality that Niles has. Because, oh, by the way, this was 1914. Yeah, this was 1914. And Niles was already old. And the guide that he's, you know, tracking this uh, woman down with makes a crack at some point about Niles on his uh, quest for immortality. Which, hey... I guess he found it. And it's just, it's just a long thing of him, uh, you know, he's with this guy working with the Bureau of Oddities, what turns out to be the precursor to the Bureau of Normalcy, 
where b- mm. before it was just kind of generally cataloging them. Uh, and his uh, his friend ostensibly gets killed and he ends up being stranded and having to live with this cave woman. And, you know, they... Mm-hmm. Well, they weren't actually hunting the cave woman. Like, I, uh, I was wrong there. They were hunting, like, a giant jackalope-style monster that had been reported seen in the area. Like a, a yeti or yeah, something. A big, it looks like a big wolf thing with deer antlers that walks like a man. So, who knows? Uh, creepy, but, you know, what they find is her. And it turns out that she can manifest it. Like, like this monster. Uh, it's it's real, but it's also not not there, not permanent. It's something that she can, like, summon and control. And I wasn't wasn't 100% clear if it could, like, physically interact or if it was just, like, a a visual, like, you know, like, a, a visual uh, image type of, like, mirage thing. I suspect it could physically interact. Like, the, the end of this episode would suggest that it is something that could at least menace someone. But yeah, it's just him just, you know, slowly hanging out with, learning to understand more, and falling in love with this very hairy cave woman and there's like love scenes and stuff and it kind of emphasizes how well this show pulls it off yeah 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 like you know she has to nurse him back to health over like over multiple years and you know his when he was found by her like his leg was shattered sticking out of his leg you know or bone sticking out of his leg yeah compound fracture that she just put some stuff on and he is walking again well, I I got the feeling that there was uh, some time jumps going on there. Well, yeah, like, but it's still, uh, he he's he's yeah. out and walking fine. It he gradually learns how to survive in the wilderness. And when his buddy, who didn't die, shows back up, says, "Hey, World War One has kind of made our organization a bit angrier, and we're actually going to kill these things now." Uh, Niles murders the dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lures him out uh, over a frozen lake uh, onto a weak spot and watches as the guy just like, you know, this guy who saved him years ago, who, you know, who was his friend and companion, falls through the ice in a frozen lake and slowly drowns. Then Niles decides to go back to civilization to uh, cover up the whole incident with his bureau friends. And I don't know, it's... It's left vague at what point he left the Bureau, or to what extent he has. Uh, I would assume he left not long after, because this is the Bureau of Normalcy, and if he's an immortal, they would figure that out pretty fast. Uh, So back in the real world, like, the the Beard Hunter guy passed out when he ate the the beard, and they just found him on the ground. (laughs) But at through. Through some shenanigans, uh, he eats a little bit of Cyborg's beard hair and then is able... Well, was it shenanigans? I thought it was, like... I I thought it was part of the same clump. No, no. Did you... Like... No. He took a clump out of a sink. There was more than one person's hair in there. Sam, there was a whole scene in the show where he's, like, staring at Cyborg's chin and a bit of the hair falls off and he, like, throws himself on the ground to eat it. Were you not... Did I miss that? It was a big... It was like a minute of the show. Were you... Huh. I mean, I, I got the part where he was, like, you know, staring at Cyborg's chin, and, like, you know, there was hair. But I... I guess I didn't realize that's why he threw himself on the ground. Yeah, he, he was eating a little bit of Cyborg's hair. 
And then once Cyborg comes back, uh, he can kind of just read his mind and anticipate his attacks and dodge them. And I'm a little annoyed that Cyborg didn't say, hey, Rita, kick his ass. You don't have a beard. <laughs> and Rita would have said something very biting and Sita would have tried to engage this guy. Uh, but yeah, like the beard hunter, you know, he's just he's thrashing Cyborg. Yeah, and, like, absolutely. Not just thrashing, controlling him. Like, mind controlling yeah, him. And then Cyborg's uh, Cyborg parts, uh, as controlled by Grid freak out saying like nope we can't let someone else control us and fire up his weapons to fire lethal blasts like that cyborg your your arm cannon is being activated by a lot of villains maybe you should like think about that i think enemies have fired his arm cannon more than he has in this uh in this series he he blew up some paper dudes and he he hit cliff with it but Mr. Nobody did that thing. So hey, he shot it a couple times against the paper dude, so just barely. It... Okay. Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, the Beard Hunter gets away and all that. And Cyborg is just, they're, they're just back at home, really freaking out. And they wake up and Larry just pops off the ground. He, he's unconscious for both these episodes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, unconscious slash dead slash still not entirely sure what's going on with him and the Traveler. Yeah. Although we'll get into that next episode. Yeah. I mean, so and the last bit with the Beard Hunter is him going to see, uh, he, he thinks he's hunting down Niles Calder, but instead he finds a weird puppet looking thing in a wheelchair that seems to summon the monster to attack him. I suspect it was, you know, uh, the woman, you know, she still had some of Niles's hair. And so she created like, you know, a decoy, created a created a lure to, you know, lure something in because she is a hunter. Yeah. Though it was also like this took place at the bottom of like a weird otherworldly infinity staircase. So there might be some Mr. Nobody involved. It's it's very big. I mean, it's designed to be uncertain of what's going on. Yeah, like much of this series. So yeah, episode 11, the one that made us cry a lot, because this is Larry getting some closure? Yeah, I mean, closure is kind of fake in general, uh, but he, he gets some semblance of it. Uh, at least enough to, you know, uh, to close some in his <laughs> we brain. Found, we found our episode title. <laughs> closure what? is fake in general. But anyway... <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so it turns out that as Larry was sleeping slash dead slash whatever the state is when the creature is not in him, uh, he was having a vision of uh, of him and, you know, uh, him and John, and they were together in a hotel room. And it was like pseudo memory, pseudo like rewrite. Like it was, well, it was both something that happened and something that he had wanted to happen. Yeah. Like it. it it was maybe pieced together from some bits and not a specific time because John's even saying like, I, you know, this is a little weird. Like I understood the truck, but some stuff and it's the more the talk goes on, like John is uh, like really uncertain about stuff going on. And he's saying he's hanging with Larry They're They're making out. And then he gets popped back into the real world. and has to kind of compose himself in a split second. 
Mm-hmm. Well, also screaming like, "Hey, take me back! Take me back!" Yeah, like, native spirit, I, I will do anything. Just send me back there. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh God! But it said, <laughs> "Poor Larry." But instead, he gets sent back to a memory of meeting with John at a gay bar where he was super in his own head and freaking out the whole time, and like couldn't really. Uh, connect with him or talk with anybody because he was just so focused on hiding and not being seen. Mm-hmm. And and John says something to uh, hint to Larry that like, hey, I don't want to spend my last days like this. And Larry's like, wait, what? And basically we realized, so we were uncertain of what was going on with the John figure in these dreams. We thought it was a negative spirit, but no, this whole time the negative spirit has been psychically linking him with John so they could spend time together. And when Larry wakes up from this vision, he realizes that the negative spirit has, you know, left him a clue. Like, there's just the word eerie uh, written in sticky notes, and he realizes, oh my god, John is in eerie. Like, he's still alive, and he's living there, and he wants me to come and visit him. And he does. And there's just the the reunion scene, which is super heartbreaking. Like, I, like, the tears started pretty much from minute one. They're like, eh. Like, with me. And, and this, is, this is also one of, like, two or three plots going on in the episode. And the other one, like, one of them is Cyborg. The, the other one might have made me cry, too. Like, just in and of itself. Yeah, like, Cy- Cyborg and Rita, they... They're seeking down plot stuff. They're looking for Flix Mentallo, which is a Doom Patrol character. And at the end of the episode, Cyborg is captured. That's all we really need to say about that one, right? Oh, no, no. Actually, I forgot. <laughs> Never mind. There's more stuff going on with Cyborg. Shit. Uh, but let's just finish Larry. So, yeah, like, he's he's talking with John. Like, John moved on with his life. He found other people. And now he is old. And basically, he, he was at the brink of death when the spirit connected him is like, all right, I'll hang on just a little longer. And like, ah, that's just the scene of like John, like carrying him out to the porch so they could just talk. Like, I can't even talk about it much now. I'm just going to start crying again. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those scenes, which is, which is the type, which is making us saying, Hey, this is just a really good show. You should watch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is the first time we've covered one of those. Just a good show. You should watch. Oh, <laughs> uh, what is that? I like Tokusatsu shows, but uh, is that the episode title? Hey, it's actually a good show that you should watch this time. <laughs> Just a good show you should watch. Also, closure is fake. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so I mean, they talk and they they find peace. Like they both had a lot of damage, but you know, they both move on and they're still important to each other and it's beautiful and john probably also passes away at the porch i didn't read that as him dying i read that as him going to sleep like you know the the nurse mentioned that you know he was kind of fading like you know he he was sundowning like you know he was fading in and out because it was almost his time like you know larry checked him and then you know uh i put the blanket up on him but yeah, and they have another brief talk in uh, the spirit world. And he also, in talking to John, Larry says, yeah, yeah, I've, I have had a relationship with somebody. It's not exactly traditional, but I am starting to learn more about the negative spirit. And, you know, after John falls asleep or 
dies or whatever. He says, hey, thank you for this. Uh, so now the other sad subplot. Yeah. So, uh, let's do the cy- Cliff. Well, let, let, I started what? on the cyborg one. So Okay, yeah, let's do cyborg because that's not sad. So, there, so no risk of crying for this there one. There is the thing with uh, Flex Mentallo because that's the, the comic book where they, they got the hint from the street. Uh, but in it, they realize, like, oh, Flex Mentallo is missing, so we should look for him. And he's just this old-time strongman in any way. But Cyborg has disconnected uh, the grid thing that was taking over his uh, body earlier. It's asking, like, hey, so what's going on with my parts? I've been feeling kind of good, but also weird. And the grid is like, oh, yeah, like, been doing lots of improvements. Uh, last week, you were 41% Cyborg. Now you're 63%. And the cue scene of Cyborg freaking out and, like, cutting himself open to see more robot under than there should be. Yeah, like, he he cuts into a bicep, and it's, I mean, A, like, God, was there no other place to cut than just, like, the center of a bicep? But, you know, he, he slices it open and starts peeling back skin and tissue, and yeah, there is circuitry underneath. Like... That was that was a limb that he definitely still had previously, uh, but the robot is taking over. And he he like he's going with Jane to look for Flex Mentallo because Jane is actually willing to be more uh, active with this and going out and like you know looking for Niles to ask the questions that she couldn't really deal with before. And Cyborg confides in her, but instead when they go to the meeting they. They get attacked by the Bureau of Normalcy. Jane gets away, but Cyborg doesn't. Yep. Uh, like, there's a kind of a faked mugging that Cyborg, you know, uh, rushes over to intervene on. Then, you know, the woman, after he rescues her, uh, kind of turns back towards him and says, look at my elbow. And there's a flash camera on it. like a very Men in Black style, just, you know, flash neuralizer yeah. thing. Uh, and J- it doesn't get Jane. Uh, but Cyborg... Yeah. Uh, she she dodges it because she is Jane and she has sixty three people looking through her eyes that know all the bullshit you can throw yeah, at her. But Cyborg is grabbed and and kind of just before the credits roll, we do see that dude from the Danny the Street episode who's looking up for him, saying like, "Hey, you know, our last conversation didn't go too well, so I arranged this." Like the Bureau Normalcy guy from the Danny the Street yeah, episode. Yeah, not, not morally corrupt. That that would be that that you know that that could be fun, but no. The, the shithead dude. Mr. Shithead. Who got beat up and who Larry said to uh, look me up. I'm number one on your list. So, like, I'm, I'm already on the docket. Look me so up. So instead he kidnapped a prospective Justice League member, which won't cause any consequences. Yeah, like, of all the people that they could kidnap, they kidnapped the one who's met Superman? <laughs> Like, why? Like, Cyborg is really dismissive of all the stuff going on at the start because you're saying, like, hey, if this was important, we would know about it. But I, they are they are really risking kind of spilling the beans here. Like, as powerful as Beard Hunter is, I think Superman could punch him. Probably. But, so, but the deal with Cliff is that he hears on the news that Bump was killed by an alligator. Yeah. Yeah. Like he his friend, uh his former friend, former pit boss, like, you know, the guy who was cheated on his wife, like they he was eaten by an alligator, and so there is a wake that day led by his daughter, who, you know well, Cliff's daughter, who is also Bump's daughter, 
because it turns out that, you know, when she turned 18, Bump and her made it official and, you know, he straight up adopted her. Yeah, like, Cliff, th- there's an awkward scene where they go to the bar and Rita doesn't super fit in and Cliff is a robot man. And uh, the the daughter, she appears to just be having a quite happy life as a, you know, waitress working there. And uh, then she gives the eulogy and she talks about how great a father Bump was and how, you know, she he was her hero and like he she even got a she inherited a gold watch and gave it to him Mm -hmm. after getting it inscribed with like what was it i love you dad or world's best dad (laughs) i love you dad you're my hero something like that this is all like you know lovely and it's it's so not her fault that cliff is actually alive and a giant robot man (laughs) like you know everything everything that's happening here is like you know super sweet it happened with the best of intentions and it's it's not anyone's fault that you know cliff is actually there and this is just driving a dagger into his heart all of it but yeah like as much as the story with larry is that it was good for larry to go and reconnect with the the people he pushed away in this one robot man seems to be coming to the conclusion that it's better for his daughter that he doesn't talk to her ever again yeah yeah like she she moved on from him and like he was replaced in her heart by another guy and him going back in would maybe damage the cherished relationship that his daughter was holding yeah bump was by all accounts a good father and she had a good life and he's just freaking out trying to get the gold watch back because an alligator ate it along with bump yep and like this she mentioned that during the eulogy speech yeah and th- there's a scene where you know Rita is paddling along behind him as he's going into the the swamp, and I don't know why Rita is scared because I'm not sure an alligator could really damage either of them. <laughs> like it-, it would just bounce off of Cliff, and Rita's Rita. Like I don't know. Yeah, Rita is kind of one of those unexplored powerhouses on the show. Like I'm not entirely sure what her power level actually is. Like, because could you stab her? She might be able to wipe out whole towns. Like, could you? St- if you just went at her with a knife, would it cut her? Would it just gloop? Would she gloop around it? Like, what's going on there? I think she'd gloop around it. Like, it... She has to concentrate just to maintain her form. And, you know, she is effectively just massive a massive pile of silly putty. Uh, but anyway, you know, Cliff is focused on getting the watch because that's the way he can reconnect with his daughter. And Cliff is saying, like, what? I should just go back to her and say, like, hey, I kind of died, but now I'm back and I don't really know what to do, but I would like to be a part of your life. And Rita says, yes, exactly that. <laughs> like, how bad is it when Rita is the grown up in the situation? I mean, I don't know. Like, it, I think they both have compelling points. Like, if he's trying to save his daughter a lot of pain and guilt, then maybe him fucking the fuck off really is the right move. It's, I mean, I can see the merits in both decisions, you know? Like, yeah, there, there's nothing wrong with him trying to reconnect, and I, I think ultimately that could be a good thing, but it would be a big mix-up, and he's still dealing with a lot of shit. And especially with Mr. Nobody, like, he could die anytime. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe take care of Mr. Nobody and then revisit this uh, conversation. 
Yeah. So, it, <laughs> but yep, the alligator jumps at him in some glorious CGI, and then he brings back the watch covered in some green slime. Which, I mean, alligators have red blood, don't they? I don't. Know, it's a swamp. It could have just been swamp slime. Yeah. But anyway, so Cliff, like you know, ripped an alligator in half and retrieved a watch. Also, that Good also that could have been bile. You know, that was that was stomach. I suppose so. Suppose so. We're not experts on alligator fluids. Episode title. You know, Sarah is in the next room. I could probably ask her. Yeah, sure. I mean, I I think we're running a little short, so might as well. Now, now, let let's just live in mystery here. Uh, and now you're googling it. <laughs> With my keyboard, you can hear me googling it. <laughs> But yeah, those are those are the episodes. Like, did did we forget any subplots? Any other? There's a band uh, called Alligator because... Blood. Cool. <laughs> that is a badass band name. Uh, next uh, week, presumably, will be the rescue of Cyborg uh, from the Bureau of Normalcy. Yeah, you know, especially uh, especially because we're doing it in this format. I mean, there's four episodes left of season one. Do you want to just knock that out next time? Oh Jesus! Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, I do. Let Let's kill season one. And then maybe have some kind of retrospective and see if we want to go into season two, uh, which, you know, I probably do. Um, I mean, I I think the thing might be we just watch season... Uh, we'll, we'll deal with that later. But anyway, yeah, ne- next time, you know, we watched three episodes and now with Foresight, it should be too much harder to watch four. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, just our characters it, just have lots of problems in the show that's like... It's in a superhero universe, but it's really just an emotional support group. Like, like there's four episodes left in season one. Yeah. They have to deal with Mr. Nobody in four episodes. I, I'm not sure if they finish him off in four. Mm-hmm. They, they probably just get to, they conclude some of the plot lines. Like, they might deal with cyborg stuff in these four. Hmm. I doubt he'll be dead. You know, I'm I'm not sure he can die. Like we're this is Mister Nobody we're talking about here. Like he might be beyond life and death. Well, there's one thing he's not beyond, Sam. He, even a man between dimensions and as powerful as he is can't put himself past one thing. What is it? Dancing. Even Mister Nobody has to just give himself over to the dance. Now I'm gonna listen to some alligator blood songs. <laughs>